Smarties, after 153 episodes, we still get asked, what can we expect from educational therapy with your practices? My name is Rachel, and my practice is CAP Educational Therapy Group, and my co-host is Stephanie, and her practice is My Ed Therapist. We are both completely virtual, and Steph is offering in-person sessions in her offices in Redondo Beach and Palos Verdes, California. We have sessions happening in our Beverly Hills offices as well. But don't let location be a stopgap. That's one of the unintended byproducts of being forced into work from home. Our work is incredibly effective virtually, and it will be an offer that we will always have moving forward. And we love getting to work with learners out of state. It's one of the fun things that happen as a result of this podcast. So if you are interested in connecting with us and finding more about how you can hire one of the clinicians from our teams, you can go to our show notes. We always have our websites linked, and you can sign up for a phone call on those websites. In today's episode... We are going to talk about what you can expect from educational therapy with our practices. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 154 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we're talking about what to expect from educational therapy. Even though we've been doing this a while, and even though we have our framework, which was episode 37, which sort of walks you through all the different phases of educational therapy, and we'll link that episode in the show notes for you if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, or it's been a minute since you've listened to it. And remember, this is our framework. Every educational therapist works differently, and so it may not be representative of the experience that you would be having if you were working with someone outside of our practices. My practice is CAP Educational Therapy Group and Steph's is my ed therapist. But even though we walk parents through this, there sometimes still are lingering questions about what parents can expect from educational therapy. Tucker's back on your lap now, Steph. Yeah. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle being on his own. I tried. It just didn't work out. So this is better for both of us. <laughs> so he leaves me alone and I can focus and mm-hmm. he can be comfortable. This is his house. If you don't know, Tucker is her dog. (laughs) This is his house. I just live here. A hundred percent. We have a doormat that my cousin got for us. I know I texted you a picture of it. Like Fritzy lives here, but so do Rachel and Adam, like something like that. Yeah. Because it's his house and we just work hard to pay for it for him. (laughs) Exactly. And I have no greater pleasure than him relaxing every day (laughs) and chilling. And just being a happy love of a dog. Yeah, and he's next to you too, see? so Yeah, he is. He was very excited because I decided today we were going to record in bed. He loves it when it's a bed work day. Yeah, (laughs) oh, for sure. I don't blame him. Anyway, so you and I decided we were going to take some time to talk about what to expect from educational therapy if you are a new parent coming into the practice. And the first thing to expect is that it's going to take time. This is not a quick fix. We say it all the time. Ed therapy is more akin to a marathon than a sprint. Another analogy we often use is that this is like personal training. And you wouldn't go to a personal trainer after three sessions and expect to have a six-pack. Through perseverance, through consistency, through time, we can build out that quote-unquote six-pack, but it's about 
giving us the time and the space and setting the expectation because oftentimes parents are desperate and they are looking for that quick fix. Yeah. And they've been burned, right? Oh, yeah. They've been burned all kinds of different ways. But here's the thing. Really, honestly, if I could create a magic pill, I would, you guys. There isn't one. Anybody who promises that there is one, you're going to get burned. So when you're learning anything new or practicing anything new, it's going to take some time. There's no overnight quick fix. So while it feels like not sure that this is worth the investment of time or fighting with your kid or whatever it is, if you can stick with it, your child will get there. Yes. You're not born knowing how to run, right? You learn to take steps, then you walk faster, and then you learn how to run. So let's talk about what kind of small victories we're really talking about. It depends on what the kid is really struggling with. If your kid is never turning in homework, okay, maybe over time we're getting all homework assignments in, but they're not complete. But at least they're getting in on time. Mm -hmm. Or if your child is forgetting to actually press turn in, that they're doing it most of the time. Mm -hmm. And we predetermine what most of the time looks like for your child, depending on what's actually going on. If that means going from not getting anything right on a test to getting a D and then getting a C and then getting a B, it's just building. And so remember, oftentimes we have parents that we talk to when there's a slip up or when it feels like there hasn't been any progress in a while, we often remind them, think to where your child was blank time ago. Yes. Then you can really see the gains that have been made. And really having an open dialogue with the kids about what were you doing before versus what you're doing now and how does that feel and what does it look like? Mm -hmm. All of those things put together, just knowing that time will get them there. The third thing that comes out of ed therapy with our practices is parenting support. That's why we always, always talk about how we love working with collaborative parents mm-hmm. because the student can often become the identified patient in the house. And we don't want to be in a situation where the parent says, here, fix my child. Yeah. It puts too much pressure on a little kid or a teenager, and usually there are shifts and changes. If I could give an example from a current client, this was a kid with ADHD, of course, because that's what my practice specializes in, and he was experiencing a lot of different challenges, and with virtual learning, getting his homework in was number one. We set up a system where he and I would check in with each other. And if I was not happy with the progress that I was seeing, that's when I would loop his parents in. One of the things I realized I had to do after looping his parents is would give his parents very specific guidelines of what that meant. Yeah. It was not an opportunity to qualitatively look at the work that he had done. Mm -hmm. I said, that's the teacher's job. Because he would communicate with me about what was happening. I'm like, oh, this wasn't my intention. Let me reframe this for them. I said, your job is to look for completion and let the teacher be responsible for the quality of it. And frankly, let me be responsible for the quality of it. And the parents took a big deep breath and they're like, okay. I said, we have to focus on what we're focusing on right now. Yeah, one thing at a time, as we always say. So this is why it makes it so nice when parents are collaborative and sort of willing to change what they're doing, 
because good intervention from our practices will lead to improved home life. Yeah. The next thing to expect is a period of time that is going to be rapport building with the clinician and in our practices, any of the clinicians on our teams, systems building, and all the informal assessment that we do before we really start to dig in because we need to know where to target and how to target it. Because if we go in with the same system, the same approach with all of our clients, it's not going to be successful. We're very individualized. We look at what is going on, what they need, how they're presenting. Developmental age. Uh Uh-huh. Academics, all of the above. So we need to build trust. We need to understand how they're approaching school what is easy, what's hard, and then get a sense of how we're going to approach it. Just like when you go to a doctor's office, they ask you a bunch of questions before they decide if you have a sinus infection or Mm -hmm. not, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Speaking from experience. So that's what we're doing. There's a period of time where you might not see anything and it might be, oh, you guys didn't study for a test. Well, we can't study for a test yet because we don't know when the test is or what the test is on or what the kid knows or doesn't know. So all of these things we're taking into account first. So that's why, please give it some time. This is why in our framework, we talk about that time of assessment before we dig into the skill building. And parents are often so anxious Mm -hmm. to get into the skill building. It can put pressure on this important period of time at figuring out each other. Mm -hmm. So it can be individualized and reactive and responsive to what the learner is doing. And then create systems and strategies that are proactive. Yeah. All right. The next thing to expect from educational therapy in our practices is confidentiality. This is important for everybody to understand. Educational therapists are not bound by HIPAA in the way that psychologists are or medical doctors are. That being said, in our practices, we act as if we are bound by HIPAA. We're not discussing your case with anybody without explicit permission, which we'll get into next. But also what this means, especially with our teenagers, is that sometimes you'll ask me a question or ask staff a question or ask one of our clinicians a question. And because we so prioritize the rapport, we wait until we've talked to the student to get the full story of what's going on. You may not get an immediate answer from us. So we're not ignoring. We're just waiting to get information gather. Yeah. The caveat to that is when health or safety are involved. There's a lot of times too where my older students, I will ask them, can I share this with your parents? Yes. And oftentimes they say yes because I've asked. We don't want our teenagers walking into a situation where We have communicated with their parents and they didn't know about it. And so we have to preserve our relationship with them and make them feel like an equal partner, not like the kid. Yeah. And they say yes, because we give them the autonomy. Sometimes they say no, and then we have to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Not very often, though. No. The next thing to expect from educational therapy is communication in general. So the communication between school and teachers the communication between other allied professionals on the team, between other doctors or other people who are involved with helping that child, that is very important to us. 
Mm-hmm. It helps with the collaborativeness of our approach. It helps us get all sides of the story. It helps us really hear the kid and really approach it in a way that's going to be successful. It does not work as well if we don't have that collaborative approach. And I will say my practice has gotten to the point where it's an expectation of the work that we're doing that we will be collaborating with the school and with other professionals on the team. There's a lot of shame that emerges from keeping the ed therapist or the learning specialist secret. Mm -hmm. And we're not at a point where we want to do that anymore, at least in my practice. And it's also an indication that it's not a good fit because it's such a value of our practice to have that collaborative approach that if parents aren't aligned with that, look, respect, but here might not be the best way for us to move forward. I mean, here's an example. I talked to a teacher two weeks ago for the first time for a client and I said something that I'm seeing with this particular homework. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if I could change it a little bit and not have that particular type of assignment for this student because this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And she's required to do 20 to 30 minutes of reading, for instance. And on days when she sees me, reading counts. Mm. So she doesn't have to go home and then read for 20 or 30 minutes on top of the work that we've done when we've been working on reading and reading comprehension and fluency. So teacher was amazing about it. Yep, no problem. That sounds great. Let's just get her the help she needs and not overtax everything that's going on and make her do more. And when I told her about it, you should have seen the look on her face. Yeah, she didn't know. Really? Like, Okay, yeah. And then when I told the kid, the kid was so relieved. And yesterday, we filled out her reading log, and we just said, reading with Miss Stephanie. And (laughs) she was like, that's all I have to put. And I said, that's all you have to put. And she was like, great. She was so happy. And her homework was then done, and she got to go home and play. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. The last couple of things that are the unintended but beautiful byproducts of good intervention from CAP Educational Therapy Group and Maya Therapist, the learner's self-esteem improves mm-hmm. and the quality of the home life improves. Yeah. And so this is one of the beautiful things. Look, we are looking for improved self-esteem from our learners. They've been through a lot of challenges. It's taken them a while, no matter the age, to sort of find us and get to us and get in intervention with us and get in services with us. And so we absolutely are looking for that. The improved parent-child dynamic and quality of home life is something that I think we were excited when we saw that impact Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of stress that emerges from learners who are not performing in the way that parents would hope that they would perform. Yeah. And there's a lot of focus on it and tension around it. And I was going to say meltdowns, tears, lying, avoidance, all the things that make it really hard. And for you as parents, the shame that you might feel or the pressure that you might feel to make sure that your child is doing the best they can, getting everything done. We give permission, especially when we're able to talk to the teachers, to say, listen, 20 minutes of math homework doesn't matter where they stop. 
Sometimes if only the teacher knew how hard it was, they would say, absolutely, that is not worth ruining your relationship. That's what I will say going back to collaboration. Yeah. The vast majority of people we are collaborating with Mm -hmm. just don't have all the information or aren't seeing it. And so how can they know? Yeah, absolutely. And the second they know, they make a shift like that example that you just gave with your kid's teacher. Yep. And I'm lucky that she's so willing and open and amazing. And that is the type of teacher that is perfect for this kid. So if you are interested, now that you know what to expect and you are interested in working with one of our practices, you can sign up for phone calls on either of our websites. Steph's website is myedtherapist.com. My website is capedtherapy.com, spelled with a K and two Ps. Both the links are in the show notes. CapEd Therapy specializes in students with ADHD and executive functioning issues if they don't have an ADHD diagnosis but still have organizational time management, getting assignments in issues. That's our jam. And Steph, what about you? Our jam is any age from little guy all the way up to adults that are struggling with their love of learning. There you go. Have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week.